0: Welcome back to another episode of Around the 412. I am Tyler, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Smitty. Be sure to go give us a follow on social media, whether that's Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, or you can go subscribe to us on YouTube and leave comments, go like our videos. All of that stuff helps us out a whole lot. And then before we get into the sports part of the show, as always, typically for the past several months, we've got some uh, links we're going to share in the description of these shows to uh, promote some other things outside of our show itself first we've got the isla keen fund that we've been pushing for the past like four i mean yeah four months now uh four over four months now four and a half months going on it um and sadly uh isla lost her father back in october which smitty will touch on an event with him or uh, for him but also isla keen has a gofundme and it's called the isla keen future fund um and it's just to help out that that financial burden that losing a, a two-year-old child, losing her father would leave behind. Um, so we'll leave that in the description of every show that we've been, been doing since October, and uh, it'll be in the description of this show. And then Smitty has a, a couple things he wants to talk about as well.
1: Yeah, you mentioned uh, with Isla and losing her father, Dalton, in October. Um, we have a benefit set up to raise money for the Caring Place in Pittsburgh, and uh, it's going to be a golf outing at the Black hawk golf course here if you are from you know western pa beaver county you are familiar with that golf course i'm sure uh it's going to be on may 13th at 2 p.m and uh you know just keep up with us we'll keep putting out the information as it continues to come i think that it's kind of just being uh thrown together still seems like it's in the very early stages. Kaylee just recently told me about it, but I mentioned it last week, any further information that I get, as far as this goes, I will pass along, but there's going to be, you know, some stuff that you guys can win as well. Like we're going to take some prizes for people to win. I will obviously be there. I'm not a golfer. Uh, We kind of touched on that aspect of of things (laughs) last week, Um, but I will be in attendance for that. So, you know, you guys can come hang out even if you aren't into golf, but if you want to put together, you know, a, a group of guys, group of four guys to play, That's great, too. So either way, come out and support a great cause. Um, And then the other thing we mentioned last week as well was another GoFundMe um, that had just come across uh, our radar last week. My mom mentioned it. So one of my mom's best friends who was in the Central Valley School District has a friend um, in Beaver. And that's where Tyler went to high school was Beaver area. Um, The LeMasters family and their mother was diagnosed with stage four breast cancer. Uh, sadly, we have an update on this as of last week's show, when I first mentioned it, that she is going to be moving into end of life care. Um, man, (laughs) I I knew this was going to happen as soon as I started talking about it. Um, you know, even though I don't know these people, like we talked about it last week, like it's just so easy to put yourself in a position, um, like that. So I knew I was going to get emotional when I started talking about it, but like that's the way that the family has handled it. They're probably handling it better than I am right now talking about it just from the way that I've, I've read these updates and, and William, that's her husband's name has put out information about it. Um, you know, I guess that that's, that's the benefit that you have when you have faith. Um, they, they, they hope and pray that she's going to a better place and, um, you know, selfishly, obviously they're going to miss her, but, um, you know, they seem like they're in a really good spot and, and they're comforted by, you know, how much she loved them. And, um, knowing that how much they love her so but continue to to support them the donation or the link to the donations and stuff like that will be in the description of the show as well. Um, so please support a local family uh, local to us at least um, and and do your part <clears throat> man again, same as last week how are we just gonna <laughs> transition to talk about sports? <sighs> um but that's what we're gonna do so. Yeah uh, not nothing to talk about baseball wise. So we let's talk about the Steelers. Um we got a Brian Flores replacement, I think. That's what this sounds like. Uh Aaron Curry coming up well, I Deox. mean, if you want to call it that. <laughs> we'll I, be don't, know, I don't know if he's
0: exactly a replacement, but you know,
1: yeah. Well, they had a they had a spot yes. on the staff to fill. Uh a linebackers coach. That's what Aaron Curry was coaching in Seattle. And he's coming over to join the staff. I, I like this. Uh, you know, relatively yeah. young guy, he will be the youngest guy on the staff at 35 or 36 years old. Um, former 36th. fifth overall pick. Okay. Former fifth overall pick of the Seahawks. You know, obviously didn't have the playing career that you would expect. Um, but you look at what Seattle's linebackers have, have done the last few seasons. I really question the pick of Jordan Brooks back in 2020. And, you know, he he leads the league in tackles over the course since his rookie season. Um, in Chenin Uwosu, a ton of production on the outside last season. I think he had like nine and a half sacks or so. Thorell Taylor has taken a step forward. I mean, there's a ton of guys there that have really started to produce that were kind of like under the radar guys that are, you know, just being coached up well. And Aaron Curry is, is a, is a part of that. And he's been given credit for their development. So I think this is, I don't know who he's going to be coaching right now, but uh, yeah, I, I like the addition to the staff for sure, because if you look at like the inside linebacker room, uh, we, we have no clue what it's going to look like. So.
0: Right. Yeah. No, I, I, I think the hire is definitely intriguing. The, the thing that I first, thought whenever I saw that they hired Aaron Curry was this doesn't feel like a normal Steelers hire um, because it's not really hmm. somebody that has a lot of tenure with with the position coach within the NFL or even within college for for that matter. I mean, he was only a college coach for four years and he was a defensive lines coach whenever he was at Charlotte. He wasn't even the linebackers coach. So I guess positionally, it just is interesting to me or whenever I look at what the Steelers typically go for when they hire coaches to coach these positional players. Um, and then the on the flip side of that, he also has no connection to the Steelers, which is another thing like that might sound dumb, but if you look at like past hires, having a connection within the organization is kind of a big deal when it comes to being hired to this organization. So those are the things that kind of stuck out to me when I first saw it. Um, mm-hmm. But I do like the hire. I think it is intriguing. Um, I, I, I think that you mentioned the success that he had in, in Seattle, like developing those linebackers. I think that's something that is very much needed in Pittsburgh. And like you also said, we don't know who the linebackers are going to be when it comes to like who he's going to be developing. Um, But I do think that is, is intriguing Um, as a hire itself. I I, I think that I, and I, I was joking. I, w- I wouldn't say it's a replacement for Brian Flores. I mean, just because that's, I feel like it's a little slight to Brian Flores. But at the same time, it is a replacement. In in, in the same term, they were replacing a linebacker's coach, and I'm excited to see what he can do. I mean, we know he's probably going to be coaching up Robert Spillane. Maybe Miles Jack is back, and he can develop him some more. But then outside of those two, I mean, the the only one I'm really saying is back is Robert Spillane.
1: And yeah, I'm thinking about Mark Robinson because of the the youth yeah, that he yeah. comes with like those two guys that you mentioned first, they've already like kind of carved out what they are in the NFL. I feel like not to say they can't be coached, but Mark Robinson still has so much to mold in my opinion, in terms of what he's going to be at the NFL. He's still so raw to the position. He played one year linebacker before the draft. Yeah. So he's only got two years of being a linebacker. What is Aaron Curry going to be able to get out of him? I think that that's a great, like, litmus test, if you will, for what he's going to be as a coach.
0: Yeah. And the only connection that I could think of to the team itself, unless we have another player for Charlotte, is Alex Highsmith, even though he didn't Ogen coach Joby him as a free agent. But oh, and went to Charlotte, didn't know that. Um, mm-hmm. And that but... was the
1: position he would coach the D line there. So that was, yeah, we coached. Yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah. Cause, cause outside of that, I I, w- I wasn't thinking of any connection that he had to the Steelers organization, but I, I mean I think it's interesting. Um, they, they, that pretty much rounds out their coaching staff for the most part because, unfortunately, we're getting an offensive coordinator change. But the outside of that, yeah. I mean, for for major major positional coaches, there there wasn't much turnover. Um, in this offseason, besides Brian Flores going to Minnesota, so I I think that it's it's a intriguing hire, and I like it, and I like that he. I like the, what, what we see in Seattle, and it, it makes me excited because for – which is a very unchar- uncharacteristically over the past, like probably honestly since Ryan Shazier was injured, um, the linebacker hasn't been the dominant position for the Steelers, which for several years it was on the defense but it really mm-hmm. hasn't been outside of, like, outside linebacker with, like, TJ Watt, but I'm not really counting him. I'm more talking about the middle linebacker position. Off-ball guys. Yeah, Yeah. And, and so I'm hoping that, like, maybe he's able to do what he did in Seattle and really build up that position of the group again because that's kind of been the weaker part of the defense for the last three to four seasons, and um, that, that's very uncharacteristically so when you look at the recent history of the Steelers or honestly all the history of the Steelers.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's the reason history that's gotten away from what history says the Steelers are um, at that position. Um, but yeah, it'll be definitely interesting. I, I don't know that he's going to necessarily have influence on. It's funny because it kind of ties in with the other two topics I was going to bring up. You said, you know, he spent a year. They had a, they cross paths at Charlotte uh, with Alex Highsmith. I wanted to talk about Alex Highsmith. We haven't really touched on this yet, and it's not like a, a imminent thing because he's still under contract for next season. But he's now in line to be extended at any point. Like they can start working on extension obviously prior to year four. And then after year four, if, if nothing were to come of that, he would be a free agent. I mean, where do you stand on this? Do you want to see Alex high Smith get paid in Pittsburgh? Are you not somebody that wants that to happen just because you understand how good of a player he is, but are you going to commit more money to one, the defensive side of the football that's already so highly paid and another edge rusher?
0: The, the problem with not paying Alex, High, Alex Highsmith is what are you replacing him with? Because that, that's the big question. Because outside of TJ and Alex, you don't really have a lot of depth at the outside position. So unless you're planning on bringing one in in free agency or the draft, um, and honestly, the draft is the only way you're going to get one for cheaper. If you bring one in free agency, well, you might as well just sign Alex, in my opinion. And I, I think that you, you, when you look at, the development that Alex Highsmith has had since his rookie year, he had a career high in sacks, 14 and a half sacks, career high in QB hits this year. I, I think that you have a, a tandem with him and TJ that that is working right now. And if it's, if it's not broke, I don't think you need to fix it. And so I would try to be able to get him under contracts. Now, I don't know what Alex Highsmith is going to want. And obviously uh, this upcoming year could play a lot into that that how he performs but in right now i would say that i would be wanting to re-sign alex highsmith just because i don't know who you're going to replace him with on the outside that's currently in the steelers room i mean honestly nobody is going to replace him currently in the steelers room and then if you're going to bring one out of free agency anyway you're probably going to be paying somebody so in my opinion unless you're drafting one that can replace him like either this year or next year there's really no point to not Uh, give them a contract if you're going to bring one into free agency anyway.
1: Yeah, I'm going to kind of go against myself and what I just said, where it's not a pressing need, because I think that you do need to kind of figure out what the plan is there before going into this draft in a couple months, because if you're not going to pay Alex Highsmith, I think it's got to be something that you address within those first, you know, three picks. There's people mocking the Steelers, Lucas Van Ness in round one that would be an Alex Highsmith replacement, even though not necessarily a traditional outside linebacker, but he would be an edge rusher. Um, I mean, he can rush from the inside too, but I think ideally, yeah, he's, you know, a four, three edge. Um, So that to me would be the case of where you're not paying Alex Highsmith. If you're paying him, you still obviously need help on the edge, but you're not addressing it that early. So I think that's something that the Steelers probably need to have a good idea of before they go into this draft. Are you going to extend him? Are you not going to extend him? Are you going to let him play out this year? Is he a franchise tag candidate following this season? Like, What is the plan there? Because I I think that you need to have a pretty good idea in the next couple months because that could determine how quickly you want to address the position um, in the 2023 draft. It it could be a similar situation like the Steelers, okay, they tagged – bud dupree for 2020 but then selected high smith at 102 in a draft where they didn't have a first round pick so it was essentially their second pick um that to me was like okay we know that we got bud for this but we're not paying him beyond this so Uh, i think that this draft would have a similar approach to 2020
0: yeah honestly that 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 would make sense um I, I just think if you're going to if the Steelers know they're going to resign him or that they're interested in resigning him, I think they need to, to figure out before the draft. But also just because if he has a good year in 2023, uh, three, then you're going to want to sign him now as opposed to after this ex- next offseason, because then his contract will just get more expensive.
1: Yeah, and, you know, we really didn't touch on or you didn't touch on when I when I posed it. Uh, so let me see how you feel about it. Again, the Steelers' defense already very expensive. Uh, committing money to two different edge rushes. does that play into your decision at all? Or you don't care? Like he's he's a good player. Pay him as a good player. It doesn't matter that he you know is playing well, the opposite side of TJ. And
0: I, I think that, and granted, cap is going up, but also you have the benefit of offensively, you have a lot of young contracts, and so at least for for a few years, you're able to spend more money on the defensive side of the ball, just because that's where the contracts are expiring sooner. I mean, I, I look at you you have a a quarterback, a couple wide receivers, a couple linemen on, on like on like young rookie contracts. And so you have at least two to three years with some of these guys where they're still going to be making a little amount of money where you don't have to worry about a contract right now. And I, I think that <clears throat> while you can, you're able to spend and I'm not saying spend a lot, but, but spend more on the defense just because that's where the contracts are expiring sooner. Um, that And that that's kind of how I'm looking at it. I mean, of course, you're, you're going to want to pay some people on offense too, but I think once you get to that point, it, it's going to be a couple years down the road. Right now, a lot of the key players on offense, you're not going to pay have to pay for at least two years. Hmm.
1: Okay. Yeah, that's a fair point. Do you have an uh, – like a number in mind like, okay, this is what I'm willing to pay the guy that plays opposite of, of TJ Watt.
0: I mean, I don't know about a number. I I think gears wise, I'd be, I'd be willing to, ideally I'd probably want to sign him to a three year deal. Um, After this one. Okay. But if four, that four would probably be my max. I'd probably, I would, I'd want to do three though. And three years, I guess, I don't know what's too much, though, because you're already paying one of the highest paid outside line. Is TJ still the highest paid outside linebacker? He, he might be. I don't know if he is. Though.
1: Yeah, I, d- I mean, Nick Bosa. I didn't know if like a Bosa will well, beat him or mm-hmm. not. I, no. I don't think. Well, J- Joey signed before TJ's newest deal. So, oh, that's true. But Nick Bosa, I'm sure, will. Nick break Bosa that.
0: sure will. Well, well when, you're, when you're playing out on the other side of the highest paid linebacker, you know. I mean, i'm mean, i sure alex doesn't think this way but like as a as a fan you'd like look at it and you know obviously that that opposite guy isn't gonna make as much i mean i would say yes. somewhere in the 10 to 12 range
1: yeah see that's my thing is coming off of, a, of 14 and a half sacks now we don't know what he's going to do next season but i mean as an like if he were putting up those numbers somewhere else you're paying that guy north of 15. So yeah, like Derek was talking about this and he's like, man, if high Smith really wanted to, and and another thing that's weird, I don't know if it's, if it's just me, but we're only like three years into this guy's career and it just already feels like it'd be weird to see him playing somewhere else. I think it's because like his family, like his dad is awesome. His mom's awesome. They're already so deeply ingrained into Steeler nation. Yeah. It would just be weird Mm -hmm. to see him go play somewhere else. But you know, that's why it's just, it's, it's tough for me. But yeah, Derek was like, man, he can probably get you know 16 to 18 million if he were to hit the open market right now like if he was a free agent this off season yeah he's probably getting that so pff, can the steelers do that i mean and would he even ask that of the steelers or would he be willing to take less to stay here again he, it just already seems like a guy that yeah. it's hard to envision playing somewhere else
0: i don't know these are questions that we can ask him whenever he goes comes on the show again <laughs> um but but you know something that i'm thinking of and i'm sure maybe Alex has thought of this but just as a as an outsider looking in maybe he does think about okay wherever i go i'm not going to play playing opposite of tj watt and so i'm going to get keyed on more and and so yeah. I, my numbers aren't going to be as good and you know I, that, that's the variable you have to look at is who you're also playing on the field with because there's definitely a case of when tj's on the field alex's numbers get better
1: yeah, I, but I'm also like that's that's a good point for sure. But to go ba- to go off that, I'll, I'll make another point. He might want that challenge of being a number one guy and getting that attention. The walk on at Charlotte has always played with a chip on his shoulder. Does he not want to be in the shadows of somebody else? Does he want to be the number one pass rusher on a different team?
0: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, do you want to be a uh... Do you do you want to be like Malkin and Crosby, and you just like kind of say like, "Hey, I am what a comparison." Yeah, I, I I'm not Malkin. I'm not going to leave, and I want to play with Sid because he's the best. Maybe he, he thinks that way of TJ because uh, it, it it stinks because that would be two pass r- or pass rushers in a row that we have to replace, and TJ still stays the same. He we just have to find another duo for TJ. You know what's funny?
1: Yeah, is uh I I saw somebody bringing this up like Bud Dupree. Very clear-cut candidate for Tennessee. This wasn't on the notes. What would you think about a reunion there? Obviously, like you wouldn't, you're not going to pay him what he got from Tennessee. A lot of that was guaranteed, so he's getting paid regardless. Um, but yeah, how how would you feel about Bud Dupree coming back? A little bit of a role reversal for next season, assuming Alex Highsmith is is here and everything like that. Now Bud Dupree being the rotational guy for TJ and Alex.
0: I, I'd be open to that as long as the contract was. A lot smaller than it was when it came to Tennessee, which oh, it would be. Yeah. But but yeah. yeah, I I think I'd be open to that reunion. I mean, Bud's. Granted, he he did play well in Tennessee, but his best years were still in a Steeler uniform. Um, especially those last two years with the Steelers, he really came into his own as a as a pass rusher. I would be open to that, especially when you look at the the depth that we have at outside linebacker. It's it's really slim outside of our starters. That was one of our concerns going into this past season. And that's going to be a concern going into the draft and into this offseason. We're going to see how they approach that. But in terms of a depth piece, that that is a definite. I would definitely sign up for that because it it improves that room so much more than it was. Even just looking at the room last year, you had Bud Dupree. That makes it immediately better
1: yeah it's such a shame he tore that acl i can't believe he got what 82 and a half million i think it was from tennessee in free agency after tearing his acl that was going to be hard for him, him to ever live up to but like not being able to get back to that same level after tearing his acl obviously like harold landry jeffrey simmons they're good players but that you know at, when you had tj watt playing at the level he was cam hayward playing at the level he was taking the pressure off bud was never going to be able to replicate that in tennessee he almost turned into like a and this isn't a slight, I, I think that he's a good player, but like Jadevian Clowney, where it's more about the edge that he's setting as a run defender. Like Buddy yeah. Pre kind of became that in Tennessee. You weren't seeing like the pass rush numbers, the sacks piling up, the pressures. They were down in Tennessee. But he became better against the run, it seemed like. So, yeah, I, I think that it would still be a very nice addition for the Steelers should he become available. Uh, if he is cut in Tennessee, I, I think it would make a ton of sense. And the Steelers love doing that. They love reunions when guys become available that they're familiar with. So, yeah. And I he think got a $16
0: million dollar signing bonus with a 35 <sighs> million of it guaranteed. So I he's not, yeah, so he's
1: change. yeah, he's, he's good regardless. Um, and then I wanted to bring up, this doesn't necessarily relate to Alex Highsmith, but another name that we talked about was Larry Ogden Joby throughout this. I don't, I mean, we're going to talk about it, but you look at some of the Steelers free agents, obviously like you got Larry Ogunjobi, you got Cam Sutton, Terrell Edmonds, DeMonte kz some good players that we would definitely like to have back. But uh, the franchise tag window has now opened. Um, so just looking at some of these values for the positions that we talked about, like DN 19.727 million, DT 18.93 million, cornerback uh, 18.14 million safety, 14.46 million. I, I don't know. I don't want it, This conversation to be as quick as no, but would you even consider franchise tagging any of the Steelers impending UFAs?
0: There's only two names that came to mind when I thought about it. Um, and those two are both in the secondary. And okay. yeah, so so the two that I'm thinking of are Cam Sutton and Terrell Edmonds. Now, hearing the, the safety number, that's a quite a raise for Terrell Edmonds. If he did get franchise right. tags, I'm just looking at it like I, I think he deserves a longer term contract. Um, he, he proved himself on his one year deal with the Steelers and he think he proved he proved that he's a valuable asset. To, despite not being what a lot of people would want him to be, he still brings a lot of value to that Steelers defense. And if he's not going to get it here, I do think he'll get it somewhere else. And I I, I think that it, he, the Steelers would be smart to bring him back. Now, franchise tagging him, that would be a big cap number for him. Um, but I don't know. That's just one of the names that I immediately brought back just because I think that he brings that much value to the defense that so they need to keep him around. And then the other one was Cam Sutton just because he's the number one priority among the free agents, I, I, I think you definitely need to bring him around. When we were talking about it, we, we were talking about like the, the three years, like 21, 22 million for a contract. That would be That's quite a big. That's what shows us
1: his, uh, SPO track market value. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And so, so w- whenever we were talking about the, the, the franchise tag, you said it was what, 18 point something million mm-hmm. for a corner. Yeah. I mean, that would be quite a cap number, but I think that he's another one that I could talk myself into franchise tagging even though that is a big number just because when you look at the cornerback room for the Steelers corner is definitely going to be a big importance for this draft or the or the this free agency but I I do think that Cam Sutton is one that you need to bring around hopefully they get an extension done and they don't even have to worry about a franchise tag but those are the only two names that popped into my head that I could entertain the idea at least
1: that's the thing is I think even if they were using the franchise tag they're franchise tagging that guy with no intent of him playing on that number. You're hoping to just get more time, you know, to work out an extension, but at the very least locking yourself into having this player in 2023. Yeah. So I I'm with you. I mean, those would be uh, for me. I wouldn't even say Edmonds. Like I, I like the player, but I think they can find a, a similar player. Um, Obviously for me, it's just about the continuity more than anything else with Minka, the way that he lets make a play, but I can't pay $14 million for that um right, right. so I, I think cam sutton would be the only one i would consider but again it would be man they better basically be 100 percent sure that they're working out an extension and he's not playing on that number it would just be to guarantee that at the very least you do have him for this season because yeah. they can't go into a end of the season with a corner room without him in my opinion and that's even with the assumption that okay say cam sutton isn't back and you know that like pick 17 or pick 32 is definitely going to be a corner Rookie cornerbacks, you know, they don't come into the league being sauce gardener very often. So, mm-hmm. I, and I hey. love in the cornerback class is my that's my favorite aspect of this class. I think it's the best position.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's it's definitely has the most depth. Um, but hey, we we have no worries because I don't know if you have looked on Twitter, we're getting Jalen Ramsey. So,
1: oh, that's right. Yeah, we're getting Jalen Ramsey, and also like I think Marcus Peters, very good chance of signing him too. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Both of them. ESPN also suggested James Bradbury.
0: The yeah Steelers you know the Steelers are very very much wealthy in cash and we <laughs> we we don't spend enough on the defense already so we need to spend more and, and so I, I I think bringing in any of those guys would be a great idea mm-hmm. especially if you have to trade yeah, for, I mean uh, trade for Jalen Ramsey that'd be great yeah
1: give a give up a high draft pick and then pay that amount of money too that's definitely right at the Steelers alley. Mm-hmm. If he hey, were to get people cut, on Twitter said it, it's got to be true. If he were to get cut, I could talk myself into it, but I don't see that happening. And the only no. reason being is I could see it being a similar situation to Joe Hayden.
0: Yeah. Well, I don't see, I don't see him getting cut because no. sure. The Steelers are one that would take him if he was cut. But there are 30 other teams in the NFL that would be like, hey, Jalen Ramsey's available? Sure, I'm interested. Mm -hmm. So
1: Yeah, I mean, he's not the same player, obviously, in coverage, but he was literally the best, and this is by every position, he was the best defensive player against the run last year. So... That's why I think the Steelers would be interested if he were to hit free agency just because, you know, they love their physical corners that will help out in the run game. That's why, to me, uh, like Devin Witherspoon and Cam Smith, if you're looking at corners that are coming out in this class, the Steelers are going to fall in love with those guys in the process. Even though Christian Gonzalez is my number one cornerback, I think he'd probably be, like, number three or four for the Steelers specifically. Hmm. Cool. Cool. But yeah, so we're, we're both in agreement. Uh, probably would not use the, the franchise tag on any of these guys when you look at what those would cost. But um, definitely both in agreement that like Cam Sutton needs to be on the team in 2023. So if it really took doing that, I, I don't know how they would make it work money-wise with everything else if you're paying him $18 million, But that's not our problem.
0: No, it is not our <laughs> problem. It's our problem to just, just talk about what the team does, not actually really have to do with anything that the team does.
1: Uh speaking of cap strap teams and things that aren't our problem but are very much somebody else's, it's time to talk about the penguins. Um it's just implosion after implosion. I mean, this this past weekend plus of hockey leading into last night's game as of the time of recording this. Um awful. You know, they had four points basically in the bag in the two games against the Islanders, and they find different ways to lose. The Devils game, I mean, they were really, in my opinion, never in. But um, those two against the Islanders really hurt. And you look at the playoff race right now, those games in hand are fading fast. So as we sit here today, I know the Penguins have some games in hand, but they no longer even show us in a wild-card spot. Things have gotten pretty ugly for the Pittsburgh Penguins, and um, there's a lot of finger-pointing going on right now and a lot of blame I think that can be placed in different areas but I mean culprit number one and I think we're both in agreement on this is uh, GM Ron Hextall who you know you can talk about the cap situation and stuff like that and him not being able to work himself out of moves he he, he kind of created all this when you got Crosby Gino, and Latang making as little as they have since their rookie contracts and you haven't found a way to build a, a roster around them with that being the case that falls on the GM
0: yeah, I, I I think it's been really bad, and I I know a lot of people are blaming Mike Sullivan too. But really, it's hard for me to blame Mike Sullivan in this situation because I look at the the cap and I look at what they're able to do when in terms of like calling up guys, and I'm like, what what is Sullivan supposed to do? Sure, he can shuffle the bottom six around all he likes, but I don't really think shuffling around the same players to the same positions is going to change anything. The only thing that would really change something is if you bring in new bodies from Wilkes-Barre. But even at, at that hand, you look at the cap situation that that that's the only excuse to me where where the cap situation is like I can use an excuse for Mike Sullivan. Like he can't bring up anybody to even try anyone else because what's he going to do with the players that are currently on his roster? He can't put the money anywhere. That that's that's the problem with trying to bring up guys either. They can't do it, and so that is definitely a Ron Hextall problem. And obviously I, I, I want to truly believe that he is doing something to fix it. Like in the shadows being very quiet We're a week and a half from the trade or from the trade deadline. But I truly want to believe that he's trying to scheme up something to be able to fix the problem that he's created. And part of me just is, is just, is doubting that. And it, it's kind of like, Maybe he actually does truly believe in this core and in this group that maybe they can they can turn it around somehow. We've been saying that for several weeks now, and it hasn't been the case. Um, I, I don't know how many times I can watch that third line skate out on the ice, Jeff Carter get burnt by other players, Caspary and skate around at a million miles an hour but ab- do absolutely nothing <laughs> with the puck. Um, and it doesn't even matter who that left winger is because those two are doing absolutely nothing out there. I, I that third line is so poor that it, it's it's just a waste of watching whatever they're out there. It's it's a waste of hockey, and so I, I I don't know what to do to fix this team. I genuinely don't. I, I I think there's so many problems, and you just mentioned the games at hand. The only games at hand that they really have, I think, are on the Panthers and the Islanders. So the other were like wild card spots currently, but as far as trying to get higher in the metro goes, I think that they're either tied oh. or they they're the same with at least games in hand, I mean. They're tied or yeah. I actually think Carolina has played a game less and they're leading the division. So I, they, their best hope is for a wild card spot, but even then, yeah. I, I, it's kind of dwindling hope on the season. If you combine their losses in regulation and losses in overtime, they they have a losing record overall, and it's just continuing to get worse. We've been talking about this for several weeks. How at some point y- you need to be able to turn it around because even though you have games in hand, these points are going to matter down the stretch and they're losing to teams, especially these couple against the Islanders, this is a team that you're fighting with a playoff spot for. And you kind of blew it in a really bad way, especially on Monday night. That, that they, they blew the lead, which I thought in the second period, especially when that, that scrum was happening, they showed some fight and they showed some fire to the team, which honestly, for the past month, they've looked really soft and just really unmotivated to to really do anything and I, I thought that they showed especially jason zucker hyping up the crowd in the penalty box saying like hey we're still here we're still fighting for this but they able to blow that lead and and i i think the team's just been really disappointing and i i think that like you said this is all on Hextall at this point because to me there's really not much that mike solving can do people can yell that he should change the lines up all they want but like what, what is what is he realistically supposed to do that's going to make a major impact? He can shuffle the defensive pairings. He can shuffle the bottom six, but it's realistically not going to change that much. The only thing keeping them afloat at all is the top six. That That's basically it. If they're not scoring, they're going to lose. And even if they do score, the rest of the team is probably going to get outplayed and they're not going to be able to keep up. That's that's the trouble that we're in, and this is Ron Hextel's problem, and he has a week and a half to be able to fix it. Otherwise, we're probably looking at the first year we missed the playoffs since Sid's second season, or rookie season. We made it the second season.
1: Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I'm Yeah, I'm not on the, like, fire Mike Sullivan train, no. at least not yet. I I would give him a shot of coaching a different team, meaning get a new GM in here shake up some of the pieces and see what Mike Sullivan can do. I mean, he just got in. A, it's not even worth talking about, but just from like a fan perspective of people calling for it, I'm not there yet. Um the only there not don't get me wrong, there aren't things that I that I question like you're talking about from a line shuffling standpoint, yeah, there's not much that can be done, but like looking at the in-game deployment, like why is, why is the Bluter line on the ice down a goal with a minute left in a game? Why is Brian Doomlin, you know on the ice with a minute left in a game protecting a one goal lead? Why is Jeff Carter in that same situation? from a Jeff Carter standpoint and honestly, I know they can't do it right now because paling is hurt, but I would be playing if you're gonna play Jeff Carter, it would be on the right wing for me and i would have even though bluder stinks too uh, i would have you know paling and and bluder be the the third and fourth line centers and carter playing one of the wings but again in the grand scheme of things is that really going to benefit them hugely no but i think at the very least you'd have a a low event fourth line and you're not going to get anything from the third line that just is what it is um but we saw like a paling archibald maybe O'Connor line or even like Heinen in that spot. Like, I think that could work as the fourth line. And then, yeah, that third line is just going to be a black hole regardless of what you do with it. So, um, and then from a defensive standpoint, I don't think Brian Doomlin needs to be playing top line minutes with Chris Letang. I know that's Letang's boy. That's too bad, Chris. I'm sorry. Um, I would be playing, you know, POJ probably up there with him. Cause I don't want to touch Peterson and Petrie. One of the few good things that the Penguins have had this season uh, but we'll talk about Petra here in a second, too. And then from a goaltending perspective, like Jari was looking pretty solid in his return to action last night until he wasn't. Uh, you know, that that goal that, again, POJ pro- should have been able to clear that puck out of the zone, but he doesn't. And there's no re- reason that Bo Horvat should be able to squeak that puck past Tristan Jari. And then he misplays one. And it, I, I was having like flashbacks to the playoff series against the Islanders, misplaying one behind the net. It's just, yeah, I mean, they find different ways to do this each and every night. But again, it just comes down to it's not a good enough roster. They haven't surrounded, you know, Sid and this core with enough pieces as they've continued to age. Again, making very little money compared to how, how much they've made in the past when they were able to surround them with better rosters. So you just wonder, how is this even possible? But um, yeah, like you said, it's very possible that they missed the playoffs for the first time since how old were we? How old would we have been? Like 11? 10?
0: Um, we were in fifth grade because I was Sid's rookie season. So I would, yeah, I would yeah, have been, I would have been, I would have been, well, been 2006. So I would have been 11, and you would have been turning 11 in June. Right. So yeah, yeah we were pretty young because I turned 28 in a week from today. So it's
1: Tough it's scenes. the
0: it's it is the longest playoff streak in North American sports. Yep. And we're going to ruin it because some dumb ex Philadelphia Flyers goaltender (laughs) can't build a roster and makes dumb decisions. And granted, I'm going to give Jari the benefit of the doubt um, for like, he hasn't played in a month, so I'm not ready to cave in on him yet. I, I, I think after one game, like, yeah, he, he had some bad spots in 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 that Islanders game, but I want to see what he does this upcoming weekend. Um, he has McJesus coming, so we'll see what he does with that team at the Oilers. But I I I I'm not ready to really like really hone in on his performance yet, just because the dude hasn't played in a month. He's played like three times since December, mm-hmm. so I I'm just. I'm not there yet. But, I mean, Ron Hextall has a week and a half to do something. And what is he going to do? I have no idea. Like, how, how would you improve this team? Like, genuinely. Not even talking about specific players, just positionally. How would you improve the team to actually try to get consistent play out of them?
1: I mean, it's it's a forward for sure, but it, it doesn't even matter to me if the guy's going to play in the top six or middle six, because even if it's a, we talked about this last week, like even if it's a guy that plays in the top six, you know, one of those guys that's playing there now, like a Jason Zucker or Brian Rust or something would slide down. So that improves that third line.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: so, I mean, that that's definitely what I would be at. Here's the thing, though, and I was going to bring this up to you. There's been some speculation that because this team knows that they're going to move on from Ron Hextall. They wouldn't even let him make a move. They're not gonna let him like do anything at the deadline. Why would they're not gonna allow him to trade assets or anything like that because he's not going to be the GM. They don't want him moving assets for that would be somebody else's.
0: I I understand that point. And maybe this is just a selfish fan part of me where it's like, I want to try to make playoffs still.
1: Oh, yeah, sure. I'm the but, same way. That's yeah. not my that's not my line of thinking. I've just seen somebody speculating that that would be the case. Because, like, I mean, realistically, group.
0: like I know we joke about this during the NFL season, but realistically, if that's the approach that the Penguins took to where, like, listen, you're not allowed to try to improve this team whatsoever with any of our assets, you might as well <laughs> lose every game to that point and give yourself a higher chance at the lottery. And I'm being genuine with that because from what I've seen of this team, the last month and a half, ever since that, that one. So we, we went on that losing streak at the beginning of the season and we had that big winning streak. And then we went on another losing streak and had a minor winning streak. Ever since that minor winning streak that we had, they've looked terrible and they've given no life whatsoever to, to the team. And I, I, I think that, If you're genuinely not going to improve the team whatsoever, what's the point? And I know the players aren't gonna have that mindset, but as a fan, what's the point? Why should I even watch? Because because this team is bad, and and genuinely, they they are bad as of right now. They are a bad team, and it's not everybody on the team, but as a whole team, they're they're playing pretty poor, they're so inconsistent and that's what's burying them. Like I said, they currently have a losing record overall. They're not in a playoff spot. I, I I don't know what to genuinely improve this team. I do think it is a forward. I think you can live with the defense. I just think you need to ch- change up the pairings um, to to give your, put yourself in the best position. And then goaltender, I, I still think you need to add one. Despite uh, Jari coming back, I, I think you need to add one because of the, the depth issues that we've had in goaltenders this past like several off-seasons. We, we haven't been able to rely on goaltenders. So from that standpoint, I'd be looking to add at least one forward and a goalie in the next week and a half.
1: And we'll see if they do that. Um, as far as we're talking about adding from the roster, but what about subtracting from the roster? Um, somebody put out that the Penguins are shopping Jeff Petrie two other teams right now obviously you know massive cap hit for the penguins makes the second most money on the team um but this was a guy that they were highly coveting you know they they wanted him at the nhl draft they were talking to the canadians about him obviously they ended up pulling the trigger swapping you know mike matheson also ryan palin came over in the deal there were some pieces going both ways in that but they wanted this guy real bad as a minutes eater to go behind chris letang if you trade him away i'm not saying i'm for or against it right now i'm just in the very early stages of thinking about it but who's you know playing the second most minutes on the right side that like like Jan Rud has never done that Chad Ruedel's never done that on a consistent basis I'm sure there's been games where those guys have logged 20 plus minutes but you know on a consistent basis night in and night out that hasn't been the case so I I don't know I mean it's 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 two-sided there's pros and cons for sure
0: yeah there is I, I I think there are some guys that could fill the position um but how much do you trust them? But at the same, in the same hand, like losing that contract would be pretty nice. But at, at that point, if you're going to trade him, it's like why? Why did we lose Mike Matheson? If that's the case, because last year Mike Matheson was coming into his own with the Penguins. He, he played a really good. Oh, season. Oh, it makes
1: yeah. If they end up trading him, it makes last off season look even worse than how we already feel about it. If they already move on from Petrie,
0: yeah. And granted, Matheson I think has been hurt. A majority Mm. of this season yeah um but but, see
1: i'm not even talking about like matheson obviously was that direct impact because of that deal but really the peach being brought in was because they were moving marino out so i think you got to kind of include that aspect of it into this petrie thing is is them moving marino because he would be the second right-handed defenseman right now otherwise yeah
0: which i i genuinely i don't know how marino has played this season once he he, once he was left he was dead to me so i don't I don't. And not, I don't not think left like voluntarily, but like you're not on my team anymore, so I don't care. Like so. Yeah, I
1: don't think the offensive production's necessarily been there, but I think Devils fans have been pretty happy with his play overall.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, to me, if you if you're trading, if you're trading to not improve the team, then that makes sense. If you're trading Petrie to get a contract off the books and kind of free up some space for whatever GM comes in next to fix the team. And we're kind of piggybacking off the idea like you can't trade any assets, then I think that would make sense from that standpoint. Otherwise, if you want to be a competitive hockey team, I think Jeff Petrie still puts you in the best position, despite what contract he has. And so I wouldn't do it if you're looking to compete in the playoffs this season. Well, but what? what? Yeah.
1: Well, I was going to say, well, you know, also the other aspect of that Devil's Trade was Ty Smith. We haven't brought him up. He obviously is a left handed shot but he's played on the right side and he was logged in decent minutes when he was up here surprising as that was to see like Sullivan trusted him obviously enough he was quarterback in the number one power play and he was playing the most minutes among defensemen there for a little bit when we had all the injuries so that would be interesting too but also to me that doesn't necessarily signal unless there's other moves involved where they're selling other guys off what if it's trading Petrie's contract to improve the forward group with that money
0: I guess that makes sense. I, I don't know the return on it. I'm yeah. just looking at it from from, from a standpoint of like this this makes your defense worse initially. It could it could sustain itself or get better um with whoever yeah. plays it fills that position. But I think just on the surface initially you look at it your defense just got worse. Well, yeah, it's one so, half of
1: what's been your, you know, one consistent pairing and Exactly. History. And 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 so for just from that
0: standpoint, I think you're getting worse. Now, not knowing the return if they do it to improve the forward group. That would depend on what the forward is, I guess. <laughs> uh, honestly, I, because I, I don't know what, what kind of return Petrie would have in a trade because I don't know. One, I mean, I don't know who else is going to want the contract. You'd have two more years of – or would it be three more years? No, no, two more years of 6.25 after this season. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. He's not getting any younger, and despite his good play, like teams look at that. And so I guess – it, it, but we're kind of talking in a way of like, <laughs> what if it's for the forward? But it's like, I feel like if it's for a forward that's going to improve your forward, you're going to need to add a sweetener with Petrie too. And so well, I'm not even it, saying it, in the like, same deal.
1: I'm saying you trade Petrie's so like contract. Yeah, even if it's just like a, a mid-round draft pick to get the cap and then in a separate deal, you're acquiring a forward.
0: Yeah. I guess me, bring on. that that it would all depend. you know who yeah, lines they'd... up
1: kind of close there in cap Brock Besser? Brock Besser. <laughs> yep.
0: Yeah. Also, Indeed. something that we talked about last week that I didn't even realize. We can't trade Brian Russ for Brock Besser because he has a full no movement clause for the first three oh. years of his contract. Yeah. So yep. he could they, they could say, Hey Brian, we want to trade you. And you just like, ha <laughs> <laughs>
1: So, yeah, that's true.
0: I yeah, for three years he has a full no move clause, so he's probably going to be here for at least three seasons.
1: Yeah, he hey, he's played pretty well. He's not finding the back of the net like as much as he probably should be with the way that he's played. But these last few games, he's actually been one of the guys that's shown up. So. Yeah,
0: and don't get me wrong, I still love Brian Russ, but you know, would I trade him for Brock Besser to get get a good player and also the contract off the books? Absolutely
1: yeah you got to look at the age the amount of money that he's going to be making as he only continues to get older um and again the production you know in in year one of that deal hasn't been up there so it's like i think it's reasonable to think like okay if this is how year one of this contract's going how's it gonna look in year two three four five you know so yeah i don't i don't think that we're like way off base here and thinking that that's a deal but again we can't do it anyway so
0: now granted. On the flip side of that, and, and I've been roasting Ron Hexall this entire time. I love the Ricard Raquel deal right now. Looks really good. So yeah,
1: I mean, yeah that that to me is the one because we've talked about it too. Like Latang and Gino were kind of like no no brainers. It wouldn't matter who the GM was. Both those guys wanted to be back, and they would have signed those deals. Um, Ricard Raquel was was good business. Uh, not just the, obviously the trade for him as well, but then also to re up with him this off season, because I didn't love the years, but again, throw the years out the window when it comes to the penguins, because really it's, well, it kind of sucks the way they're playing right now, because it's supposed to be about this two to three year window. It might not even be one year. If Ron Hextall's running the ship, it might already be closed. So.
0: Yeah. But when that contract expires, I'll be 33. That sucks to hear. That does suck to and hear. Jeff
1: Car- and how old will Jeff Carter be? 43? Jeff
0: Carter will be... How old is he now?
1: 38. <laughs> I actually
0: want I want to look at this right now, and this is how we're going to close out the show. He is 38 right now. Oh, he's a New Year's baby. January 1st. 1985. So he will be, yeah, 43.
1: Nice. And he will have just signed a new extension with the Penguins. <laughs> <laughs> oh Uh, imagine imagine if that happens um all right well i think that'll about do it this is a little bit shorter of a show that happens when we have no baseball to talk about and, and such uh we will see what next week brings but uh be sure to subscribe to the channel if you aren't already leave us a like leave us a comment let you know about let us know how you feel about any of the things that we talked about Let us know what you would like to see in some future shows. Hit that notification bell so you guys don't miss a single thing. If you're listening anywhere besides YouTube, leave us a five-star review, all that good stuff, whatever you can do on that platform as well. You can subscribe to the entire link tree, actually, if you want to do that, and that would be, obviously, the best way to see exactly where we're posting everything. Um, But other than that, for Smitty, for Tyler, oh, and all the GoFundMe links will be down below wherever you're watching and listening to. Uh, Other than that, for Smitty, for Tyler, this has been Around the 412. We'll talk to you next week.